His and Hers Horror features two adults discussing horror movies, serial killers, and other spooky content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to His and Hers Horror. My name is Tia. And I'm David. And we're going to do a little something different this week. Don't we do a little something different every few weeks? What? I mean... We're, we're going to try a new okay, thing. Okay, we're going to try a new thing, I guess. Fuck, <laughs> fuck you for... <laughs> and now for something completely different. Thanks, um, Monty Python. I want to say TM Monty Python. <laughs> yes. So, because of the way that we do this show... Mm-hmm. We realized, I think it was last weekend when we were really thinking about it, that there's a lot of horror movies that we kind of missed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Last year. (laughs) Last year was more than a horror show in the real world. There was actually a lot of great horror films. Horror films that came out. Yeah. So we made a list Mm -hmm. of the horror films that came out in 2020 that we have not seen. And we each got to pick one. Mm Mm-hmm. And we are going to talk about those two films today. So this is our first ever Movies We Missed episode. Yeah, 2020 edition. 2020. Well, there's probably going to be more than one 2020 edition just because... Right, right. But I mean, these were movies that we missed in 2020. Right. So these are horror movies that came out last year. Right. But before we get to that... Oh. Dun, 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 dun. This Week in Horror. Hell yeah. I know. It's been a minute since I've gotten to do one of these. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it has. At least a minute. (laughs) Okay. So I only have one thing this week. And interestingly enough, you actually brought this movie to my attention. Yes, I did. Because I was like, hey, this looks interesting. All I had was a little blurb on my phone. Yeah. And I was like, wait, and this person? And this person? And this person that Tia loves? And also this person Tia loves is in this? I, I thought it was a joke. No. It's not. It is not. Because when I went through our uh, YouTube stuff for the night, because we usually watch, you know, YouTube videos. I mean, among the, other of things. An, of an evening. There was a trailer for this movie. And it looks so good. Yeah. So it is called The Unholy. Mm-hmm. It has Jeffrey Dean Morgan in it. Mm-hmm. And Carrie Elwes. And William Sadler, who's one of my favorite character actors. And it looks... So fucking cool. Yeah. So basically, it is about this girl named Alice who is hearing impaired. Mm-hmm. And she gets a what she believes is to be a visitation from the Virgin Mary. Which would constitute a miracle, right? Right. And suddenly she can hear. Not only can she hear, she can also heal the sick. And so people are coming from miles around to see her miracles And, um, like, the Vatican sends a priest to investigate, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan plays this reporter who basically wants to do a story on her. Right. And it kind of starts to seem like maybe it might not necessarily be the Virgin Mary who visited this girl. Mm. It might be something a little more demonic. A little more nefarious. Yes. Mm. Here's the thing that I think is fucking awesome about this movie. It is a movie about debunking a Catholic miracle being released not only during Lent, Mm -hmm. which is one of the major, 
you know, holiday seasons. Right, right, right. It's the lead up to Easter. Yeah. It is being released on Good Friday. Which is, as we've said before on previous episodes, there have been releases that caused some ire among churches or organizational groups. That's free press, folks. I know, right? Uh, the director for this film, I'm not going to try to say his last name because I know I will butcher it. I will mm-hmm. practice and maybe find a press junket or something so I can hear him say it. But this is his first film, and it looks very promising. It looks so. It looks really cool from the trailer. I've said that before on stuff that turned out to not be so great, but yeah. this looks really good. And I like a lot of the people that are in it, mm-hmm. so... Oh, can I say something real quick about the the list that we have of horror from 2020? When we when we get to that part? Yeah, I mean, we're there now. That was oh. all I had for this week in horror, oh. so... <laughs> okay. Um, one thing I do want to point out is there were, a, there were actually a ton, but, like, there were some dregs that's like, look, we're not going to spend half an episode talking about, what was it, Deep Blue Sea 3? Oh, my God, right? As much as I love the first Deep Blue Sea... I haven't seen either of the sequels, and I don't really I don't really plan on it. Right. And this is from someone who has watched every single Tremors movie that's ever been released. Yeah. That tells you something. Anyway. Anyway, so what I'm saying is, it's not we're not covering every every movie, horror movie that but came out. We've got a rather substantial list. We have and, a list of like ten. And the nice thing is, uh, on this list, there it included movies that we had heard about Mm -hmm. but other than doing this podcast i don't think i would have ever been like hey i want to watch this movie because it's outside my comfort zone Mm -hmm. or it's outside you know what i would normally gravitate towards right so this is gonna be an adventure folks well it has been so far anyway yeah well and because these are movies from just last year and the way that things work currently both of these are streaming Mm -hmm. so we decided we're only going to talk about two movies today just because we want to be able to do do maybe maybe dive a little deeper yeah into them than we normally would really highlight it yeah precisely so you ready want to get into it yeah let's dive in fuck yeah let's do this french fries french fries yeah so the first i kind of want to talk about his house first sure so his house Mm -hmm. it was one of those ones that i always eventually was probably going to watch but this one, because this was your, this was David's pick. Yeah. So that kicked it up to the top of our watch list, so to speak. And I actually don't regret it because it was really good. It, it was phenomenal. It was, oh gosh. It's a, it's a journey. It, it, not only is it a journey, but I, I feel like, you know, from, from a horror perspective, there is definitely some horror in it. Mm-hmm. And I've now determined that you do have another phrase you may or may not have identified previously. Uh, she'll also sometimes shout, absolutely not, to, to the TV. Um, you know, you, you, you see someone sitting there, and all of a sudden there's, like, some sort of creepy moving thing in the background. And she's like, absolutely not. Like, like I reject this thing from my presence. I rebuke this in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but also, it's a... It's, and I don't get to say this very often about a horror, horror film. Mm-hmm. It's actually a really powerful and beautiful story, too. It is. And we will definitely get into that. So let's go over. I'll do my thing. And yeah. yeah, do your thing, and then we'll get into Watch Thoughts. Yes. I love that. <laughs> 
So uh, Ball and Rial are a refugee couple uh, escaping war-torn South Sudan, mm-hmm. and along the way, they unfortunately lose their daughter. By lose, I mean she dies. I mean, the boat's got like 40 people Oh in my it. god, yeah. Um, they struggle to adjust to their new life in an English town where evil seems to lurk beneath the surface. Mm-hmm. That is honestly like... Without having, because I wrote my my breakdown notes before we'd actually watched either of these movies. Yeah, like the facts and figures right. and who's in it and all that. And that was, I didn't want to go into this movie really knowing much. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't really seek out more of a, like a, more of a plot summary. I think that's an, honestly, if you told me that's what this movie is, is about, I would say, all right, let's watch it. Is this a butts and seats I'm going to adjust my butts and seats meter (laughs) because a lot of us, especially if you're working remotely or working with people who are working remotely, because like I go into an office, but normally instead of seeing like 60 people in a day, I, there's like five other people in my office and everybody else is remote. So sometimes my pitch has to be just a quick one liner of, Hey, you've got this couple who are refugees from South Sudan that moved to an English town and there's evil lurking about. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not d- what you think it's going to be. No, it, and it's not. And and then, you know, maybe end it with worth it. I mean, it's not quite an email. That's like a team's message, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I probably should have said this to begin with. This episode's probably going to be pretty spoiler heavy, y'all. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, well, I mean, most of our episodes are... Most of are, our episodes are, but they're for movies that have been out for a while, not stuff that just came out last year. That's fair. That is very fair. So... So if this is a movie that you're in, I mean, honestly, I go into movies all the time having had the ending spoiled or knowing major plot points and the ride is still fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I can still go on a roller coaster I've been on twice before and still get the, well, my level of exhilaration on a roller coaster. Well, to give another example, you are a, you're a big Marvel Comics fan. Mm -hmm. That didn't mean you didn't enjoy the movies. I mean, I had quibbles. Just because you knew... Yeah, I mean, I had quibbles here and there just because I'm like, that's... Not, not exactly that's, how it happened. That's but... not their origin. What are you guys doing? But but other, other times, yeah. I mean, it was still a fun ride. Yeah. So, yeah. So, if you're planning on seeing uh, His House or Underwater is the other film we're going to talk mm-hmm. about here in a bit. Maybe skip this episode for a bit. Go watch those movies Go watch instead. Those. His House is on Netflix, mm-hmm. at least in the U.S., Right. Uh, I don't know about uh, about elsewhere. Uh, and Underwater is available through Hulu and HBO Max. Right. So there you go. So yeah, back to his house. Mm. Directed and written by Remy Weeks. Uh, it's actually based on a story by Felicity Evans and Toby Venables. Okay. The cast, and I apologize in advance if I butcher any of these names. I'm doing my best. Okay. Wanmi Mosaku is Rial. Okay. She was actually uh, Ruby on Lovecraft Country. Oh, fantastic. Which I'm, we might need to just watch this weekend because yeah. I, people have been telling me it's really good. Sobe Dirisu is Ball. Okay. He was actually Fred on Humans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Matt Smith is Mark. Matt Smith. Matt Smith. <laughs> You're acting like you don't know who Matt Smith is. Uh, well, he's not my doctor. He's I know. He is the he is the 11th doctor. David, who's your favorite doctor? The only doctor. David prefers the 9th doctor, Christopher Eccleston. Because he was passionate. This is true. Javier Botet is the body of the witch. 
Mm. Which is why when he found, when he showed up, I was like, "What's up, Javier?" See, I, the only <laughs> Javier I could bring to mind was Javier Bardem, and I'm like, "That sure as shit isn't Javier no, Bardem." Javier uh, Javier Botet does a lot of I hate like I, creature work. I guess is what she would call it, similar like, to what Doug Jones does. Yeah, uh, you know, physical embodiments of creatures. You know, you've got your Doug Jones, uh, the the fellows that have been in like Predator and Alien and stuff like mm-hmm. that as well. Yeah, Javier Botet was... You're, um, the, you're the names person. Yes, I'm aware. Uh, he was in. <laughs> he was the ghosts in... <laughs> he was the spirits in Crimson Peak. Okay. Uh, he was also the crooked man in The Conjuring 2. Oh, yeah, that was, that was creepy AF. He was in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Was he... Uh... I don't think he... He wasn't the jangly man. He was the toe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cornell John was the voice of the witch. Okay. Uh, he was Sam on EastEnders. Right, right. And then uh, Malaika Abigava is Niagak. This right. is actually her first role. So there's nothing else I could bring to the table for her. I also, I couldn't find any budget or gross information. This movie actually premiered at Sundance in January of 2020, I want to say. Nice. And it was acquired by Netflix. Okay. So, because of that, there's just, like... There's really not a whole lot of, like, no, production information. No, right? not really. I can't ever imagine it being uh, too much, necessarily, just because it seems like a fairly contained... It's a, it's a rather small cast. There's not a whole lot of big special effects, necessarily. Mm. But I, I have no idea. I couldn't find anything. That being said, it's, that don't don't take that as it's not good. No, it is. It is. It's really good. It's... It's a very well shot film, and I will. We'll, we'll we'll get into that. There's one of my favorite. Actually, I can go ahead and and one of my favorite shots is they're sitting and eating dinner. Oh yeah, that dissolves. And they're sitting. They're sitting at the table. She is eating with her hands, mm-hmm. and he is insisting on using the silverware. Like aggressively, and he's like aggressively cutting this food that she's able to easily like pick up with a piece of bread and eat. So I don't know what he was doing. Maybe. It, Maybe that was a metaphor. Maybe. For, like, trying to self-assimilate into Because he is very much, yeah, trying to aggressively fit in Mm -hmm. to this small English town. Yeah. But But it starts to, the the scene, he's he's just very aggressively cutting his food and just, Mm -hmm. like, stabbing it with the fork. And the camera is, starts to pan out. And you suddenly realize Rial's not there anymore. He is sitting at this table by himself. And it pans out even further, and there's just, like, a section of wall. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're seeing, like, what looks like orangey kind of... Sunset. Sunset over water. Yeah. And then it's, it's like, it reminded me, it very much in my head clicked the no man is an island mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. It was just such a beautiful shot. And it really also helped illustrate how isolated the two had become in their in their approaches to their new life because they're essentially isolating themselves from each other mm-hmm. because whether because, they're meaning to or not right because like like bull is insisting on speaking in english yeah and insisting on just saying okay this is this is what we do now and this is where we live this is our home so let's try fitting in doing the things that we're supposed to do but that, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to aggressively throw away your old life. Right. It doesn't mean you have to completely toss your anything you've brought with you 
on the it, ground and like light including it up. your culture yeah god it's just such a beautiful shot the whole there, movie the whole, is, mo- the whole movie is full of gorgeous gorgeous shots beautiful camera choices some really good angle angles that he does and and there's some some stuff where just the way something is shot can give you like this level of unease where you're not necessarily scared but you're like wait hold up wasn't that kid kicking the ball elsewhere and her and real walking down that alley like the longer she spent in that alleyway just taking turn after turn the more claustrophobic i oh, yeah. felt oh yeah i was like okay something bad's gonna happen mm-hmm. it didn't nec- i mean nothing like jumped out there 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 was there was nothing that i expected to happen and that made it worse mm-hmm. you know it's like getting a text that says we need to talk it's like you really want to reply back being like, about what? About what? That's not, yeah. That's a, you've just sent someone a panic attack if you send that text. And and then you get a message back saying, sorry, autocorrect. We need to take a look at our movies and see what's, what we need to watch next or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And then Something. you're like, okay, don't ever send we need to talk. Right, exactly. Unless you really need to talk, in which case. Yeah. Just be prepared. So I do have a couple of quick facts. There weren't a ton that I had on right. on this film. So uh, it was filmed in London and Tilbury, Essex. Okay. This is one of the other horror movies. So we talked last week about Host and how it has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. So does this. Oh, nice. Yeah. Good. Good um, deal. Yeah. It has a 72% on um, Metacritic, Metacritic mm-hmm. which from what I could see, the... The handful of negative or mixed reviews on Metacritic are either people who don't appreciate, they just didn't get it. Or maybe or, they were, it, it wasn't their flavor that they were looking for on the buffet. Right, exactly. Yeah. Because very much this movie is about grief mm-hmm. and loss and mental health, specifically like relating to PTSD. Because yeah. there were several times where we were watching the movie where I was wondering, I was like, how much of this is actually happening? Mm-hmm. And how much of it is a PTSD-induced hallucination? Right. And also, there, there are several core messages in there, like, don't throw away your heritage and, mm-hmm. and replace it with, with something else. You know, you need to be a whole person, and sometimes that means you have to look at your past and look at the things you experienced and the things you did and confront them and go, you know what? That was probably a shitty thing, Mm -hmm. but I've learned from it. Yeah. Confronting your past and the choices that you made so that you can move forward, basically. Mm -hmm. Instead of just being like, no, I'm going to forget that that ever happens. And yeah, because ball for a while, it almost seemed like every action that or everything that brought up the past, it was like, okay, add another anchor chain to him. And Mm -hmm. as he continues trying, trying to just aggressively and desperately move forward every time something from the past comes up it's another one gets thrown out and it's just slowing him down even more until he's practically paralyzed by his past Mm -hmm. and that that really resonated with me another another piece that resonated with me is when riel's at the clinic yes when she's talking to the the doctor I straight up started tearing up and, and she's talking about like the loss of a child and stuff. And I looked over at, at Tia and I said, I'm not crying because of the loss of the child. I'm crying about, about what she said before. Um, because she's got, she's got markings of, she's got scarification. Yeah. Because her family was massacred, was, was massacred. And there were basically two, two warring tribes. 
and she got scarification of both tribes' marks, basically saying she had she has no home. She has no no she doesn't have any place that she belongs. Yeah, and she made it so that she belonged nowhere, that so that she could survive. Yeah, basically. And I have felt that way many times in my life. I mean, there 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 have been a lot of things that that I think a lot of us can relate to, even if it's just a momentary, you know, sudden shift where your friends, apparently none of them are your friends anymore because, you know, they've, they've made choices or something happened, you know, that classic, well, you're friends with this couple and they're friends. And it's like, you, you just watch this, you know, something happens with the couple and all of a sudden you're like, well, shit, now, now all my friends are gone. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, that's, that's a very microcosmic, who gets who gets it. the friends in the divorce? Yeah, basically. Yeah. But but that really resonated with me. Yeah. I so I will say I think it's one of the things that they they go on is they Ball is clearly being haunted by the by the spirit of their daughter mm-hmm. who drowned on their way to safety basically. Right. They were on a ship in the ocean like like a skiff, basically. It, yeah, it, it, I wouldn't even call it a ship. I mean, it, it was basically a, the Small size mo- of a la- it was, a it was the size boat. of a landing craft. Yeah, but with like forty people on it. Something happened, and a bunch of people ended up in the ocean, and it be- because huh, it happens. Yeah, and because she didn't ha- know how to swim, and Ball was more concerned with saving Rial, she drowned. Yep. Well, Ball was more concerned with saving Rial because that girl was not their daughter yeah because from what i could tell in the bus scene it looked like rial was already on the bus mm-hmm. and ball and wanted so, to make sure he got on with her with her yeah so ball was trying to get on this refugee bus with rial and they were not letting anyone else on except for women and children mm-hmm. and so he just happens to see this girl who's what maybe 14 at yeah the most. at the most 14 who appears to be alone. Mm-hmm. So he picks her up, basically does a cow from Titanic. Yeah. And says, oh, this is my child. You have to let me on. Keep in mind, as this is going on, there's like gunshots and shit going yeah, on just down the street. Right. With, with like a group of, for lack of a better term, raiders coming in and just shooting shit Yeah, up. exactly. So he ends up on, because he has a child, they're like, okay, we'll get on. And I think he's one of the last people they let on before yep. they have to go because they're hearing the, the gunshots are getting closer. I mean, it's eminent. They're like 500 feet away at this yeah. point. And then the girl starts to call out for her mother and her mother is just outside the bus. Mm-hmm. And she can see that that ball has her little girl and will not let her go mm-hmm. and watches as this bus drives off with her child. Yeah. Which is really when it comes down to it, when... Rial later is talking about the Apeth, mm-hmm. the the Night Witch, and yeah. how it's basically they sacrificed, or specifically Ball sacrificed this little girl to get himself to safety. Yeah. In the same way in her story about the Night Witch, that this man was stealing from other people in order to get himself the thing that he wanted, right. which was a home. Which is why she keeps you know, getting down on the fact that we need to atone for what we did. We fucked up. Yeah. And, and even on the bus before, before that, that scene cuts away, Rial's looking at him. Like, what the fuck did you just do? Like, she doesn't want to make a scene. And 
I mean, I've seen that look before. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I have lived over four decades never having that look thrown my way that I'm aware of. Right. Uh, with the caveat that I'm aware of, but damn. Yeah. It was like that, you fucking piece of shit. Well, and she starts to almost kind of, at, after this, after he's made right. this choice, she kind of, I think it's part of her mental her mental anguish and the grief that she's dealing with because not only was her family massacred, but she was at a school Mm -hmm. that where a massacre took place. And the only reason she survived is because she hid in a cabinet. So she's been a survivor most of her life. She's seen a lot of trauma. And I think part of the way she coped with that trauma was kind of latching on to this little girl. Mm -hmm. And, and honestly, if, if you're in a survival mode, normal thing, things that society would say, this is this is what you're supposed to do for survival, throw that handbook out the window. My survival is doing what I got to do. Yeah. And so you can't, you're not looking through the lens of, well, I, I probably should vehemently disagree with my, my husband kidnapping a girl, essentially, that we don't know, and going... Well, we're here now, so let's move forward. Right. And to be fair, she was already on the bus. What was she going to do? Be like, um, no. <laughs> right. I don't know. Tough choices. And mm-hmm. I mean, decisions were made. I can't say they were all great, but decisions were made. Right. It's also a great home renovation film. Well, fair. <laughs> um, one. So a couple of things I will say, uh, as far as, as Ball trying to, he's, I understand the whole, this is where we live now. We kind of have to get used to it and wanting Mm -hmm. to put himself out in the community. I get that. But if he wants Rial to do that too, would it fucking kill him to maybe take her with him when he goes to the shops or... Yeah. Like... You know, he's like, like, I got to find something for you to do. And and it's like, how about the two of you go somewhere together? How about you take her with you? Instead of just getting up and leaving the house before she's even awake and then being like, okay, well, go find your own shit, I guess. Like, that's... Like, if you and I suddenly up and moved to Japan... Right. I would expect you to show me around a little bit, even if it's a part of Japan that you haven't lived in before. I I can still navigate. Yeah, exactly. I would expect you to... I wouldn't expect you to be like, all right, fly, baby bird, and kick me out of the nest. I'd be like, okay, I need you to find a 7-Eleven, a Sunkus and a Lawson, and until you find all three, don't come home. Yeah, no. Granted, that's like a walk around the block in some areas, but still. And his first experience going out and seeing the neighborhood and the town and everything is much more positive than her first experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of get why he's like, hey, we need to get used to this. This is our home now. And she's like, fuck this place. I'm out. Right. Especially considering the whole haunted house thing that is going on as well. Yeah. Um, and, and keep in mind, they're, they're not just like, they didn't, don't just show up to England and it's like, all right, well, we, you know, we're here, we're citizens that they're, they're provisionally. They're not a whole lot better off in the house than they were in the detention center. Right. Because yeah, they have this house, but it's not well maintained. Mm -hmm. It hadn't even been cleaned before they were placed there. So there was like rotten food with bugs all over it they are given 74 pounds a week which in my head i in even in my head when we were watching the movie i was like 
that can't be very much. And I did look it up. Okay. So 74 pounds equivalents to about 103 US dollars. So 103 US dollars a week. Mhm. So that's 400 roughly $412 a month. Mhm. And during this time by the way, they can't get a job. Yeah, they're not allowed to get a job or supplement their income in any way. They're not allowed to have friends over, mm-hmm. which they're like, "Oh, you need to assimilate," but it's like, "Okay, but you, they're not allowed to have people over." Yeah, no so, parties. No parties, no friends. They're grilling food in the back in their like back garden area when they get an inspection at one point and they're like, oh, they're not supposed to be barbecuing. It's like, come on. Like, let they've been through hell. Let them have a, some fucking barbecue chicken. Yeah. Let me grill some meats or mm-hmm. vegetables. Something. No candles. Which well, they, I mean, that they was do a that fire, anyway. That was a fire safety thing. I guess for, that's a fire safety thing, but when the electricity doesn't fucking work. And there are some elements of racism or xenophobia. I, I would say almost it, it, it reads to me a lot closer to xenophobia, especially with, you know, the the refugee issues that mm-hmm. that were much more heavily felt in the UK and in Europe uh, several years back. And, and even still ongoing. Oh, my God. When when Mark says, be one of the good ones, like, out loud, I was like, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? Yeah. And, like, almost everybody referencing when 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 Ball talks about the, the problems with the house, thinking that maybe the house is what's haunting him when it's really, it, it's not. His own but, past. But almost the first thing anyone mutters is, it's bigger than my well, place. Well, your house is bigger than my place. It's like, well, that's great, but you, your house isn't trying to kill you. Yeah, seriously. Speaking of the house, those backless stairs. Yeah, that's that's one of... Yeah. Anytime I see a movie and there are those backless stairs mm-hmm. where someone could just reach their hand through and, like, grab you and trip you, I'm always like, absolutely not. I hate this. Yeah. I kept waiting for that to happen, but it didn't. Which probably increased your tension, kind of like when she was walking down those alleys. Yeah. Oh, God, that's the fucking alley. Uh, I can't. Yeah. Great movie, though. Yeah, it's so good. It's really it's it's more about it's a, very much about the process of healing from trauma, I think. Yeah. Like, even if even if you aren't super into horror, because really, I mean, there's like one scene that is a, I could consider a little gory towards the end. Yeah. But even that's not super graphic. Yeah. I would say on a squeamish level of one to five, maybe a three. Yeah. And that's just for very brief moments that are beautifully timed. You know, maybe you might adopt a phrase of absolutely not. <laughs> but I'm sorry. No, again. Actually, you know what? I'm not sorry. You knew what you I was like when you married me. Yeah, I know. And I even said that, you know, when we watched this, I said, no, because, again, you apologize because because you like to, I, I guess. yelled, because I yelled it. Well, you I yelled it. loud as shit. <laughs> and you apologized, and I said, no, that's part of the viewing experience, and I love it. So, Fair. So, you can have a viewing experience just like that. Yeah. I, it, I mean, I don't, without just sounding like a rambling idiot, I don't know how else to describe this film as just beautiful. It's thoughtful. And I don't really mm-hmm. get to say that about horror. It's it's definitely not Chopping Mall. No. Where where I believe your first comment was giant nipples. This is not giant nipples. This is 
holy shit, and this is a horror film? Mm-hmm. But it, but it is. I it's mean, good. It, it's really good. I would honestly recommend this to people who don't even like horror. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. All right. Are we ready to move on to our next film? Yes. Yes, we are ready to dive into your pick. I don't know why I did this to myself. I do know why I did this to myself, actually. I wanted to watch something that I thought would uns- would actually legitimately potentially scare me or at least make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And as I believe I've said on this show before, deep water and the ocean in general kind of terrify me. Like, I find the ocean beautiful. I like I like whales and sea turtles. Sea turtles and otters are fucking adorable as shit. But deep ocean stuff mm-hmm. freaks me right the fuck out. I deep deep sea stuff and like cave stuff and things like that I don't do well with when it comes to tension. You you okay? I'm okay. All <laughs> Just right. Trying to... Oh god, no! I got so tense watching underwater. You guys, you don't understand. I think you got pretty tense just now, just trying to. Because I'm thinking about the Mariana Trench and how terrifying it is. <laughs> oh god, I don't ever want to go out on the ocean. <laughs> anyway, so the other movie we watched was Underwater. It was my pick because I decided I wanted to watch something that could possibly really scare me did it work how many times did i scream i stopped counting honestly oh my god at least at Uh, least 10 uh, no it wasn't that many yeah i'm pretty sure it was close to well there were there were a couple that were like aftershocks yeah so there were definitely a lot of like flailing arm movements where i was like oh jesus and just covering my fucking mouth there there was one point i looked over and was both amused and thought it was absolutely adorable that you had a blanket pulled up like right up close to your face like you were ready to hide behind it but you're like i'm gonna watch for now but at any moment i'm going to dive under the covers i love it at one point i know i had like one hand over my mouth and the other hand on top of the fingers of that hand so i basically had made an l on my face (laughs) like yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Y- y'all can't see this, but yeah, she put one hand over her mouth and then put one hand to kind of secure it, latch it in place. Oh my god. <sighs> anyway, how do we get butts in seats? So, undersea. Undersea? Uh, not undersea, underwater. <laughs> Un- That's nope. how stressful this movie makes me. I can't even get the goddamn name right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would watch it again, though. Oh, it was it was good. It was good. So a crew working for a deep sea drilling company try to get to safety after a mysterious earthquake devastates their deep water research and drilling facility located at the bottom of the Mariana Trench. Just saying the phrase Mariana Trench makes me jittery. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Makes my shoulders tense up. Okay. So it was directed by William Eubank. Screenplay by Brian Duffield and Adam Kozad. The cast... Really good cast. Yeah. Kristen Stewart is Nora, probably best known as Bella in the Twilight series. Although lately she started doing some really cool artsy shit. Yeah. And which I am 100% here for. 
Vincent Castle is Lucian. Mm-hmm. He was uh, Marcus in Irreversible, which we yeah. haven't watched yet. Uh, he was also Thomas in Black Swan, the director of the ballet company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mamadou Athi is Rodrigo. He played uh, Grandmaster Flash in The Get Down. Yes, he did. T.J. Miller was Paul. He was Weasel in Deadpool. Nice. John Gallagher Jr. played Smith. He was uh, Emmett in 10 Cloverfield Lane. He was also in the original Broadway cast of Spring Awakening. Neat. Mm-hmm. Jessica Henwick was Emily. Yeah. She was Colleen Wing on Iron Fist and the Defenders. Yeah. And I, th- I thought she looked familiar. Yeah, that was why. And that was why I was like, wait, is she English? Because I'd only ever heard her speak with an American accent before. And uh, is she English? She is, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And Gunnar Wright was Lee Miller, which is a character we never actually met. Mm-hmm. But the the distress call that Smith picks up while they're right, trying right. to decide what to do, that was this guy, Lee Miller. Okay. Who is the voice of Isaac Clarke in Dead Space. Oh, that's awesome. Which is part of why I wanted to include him, because I'm like, oh, that's just a cool fact. The budget versus gross for this film saddens me greatly. Okay. So the budget was an estimated $80 million. Okay. Gross is 40.8. And here's the thing. I was like, well, COVID. Right. Like, it came out, you know, the same... Well, it came out in January. So before, before before lockdown, before shit really went into lockdown in in the U.S. Anyway, right, and and several many, many other countries, right. Unfortunately, so I was because that was my first thing. I was like, well, maybe it you know was it opened right before everything shut down. Unfortunately, no. It, it was mid January, so right. But I mean, things started looking worrisome, you know, by February. So true. So maybe it had a solid three, three and a half weeks before people are like, "Eh, maybe no theater. Well, and I'm curious if this film would have done better if it had been able to be released when it was actually done being filmed. Hmm. Because here's an interesting, we're going to, here's an interesting fun fact. Okay. I have several before we can get into our watch thoughts. Fantastic. So this movie was actually filmed in 2017. Wait, what? Yeah. But it got, the release actually got held up because that was right when Disney was in talks with Fox over the purchasing of Fox. Okay. So there were some releases that got shelved until that was finalized. Mm. So instead of being released in 2017, when it was actually done, it didn't get released until this year. Huh. So another interesting thing in regards to the whole Disney buying Fox thing, this is the first 20th Century Fox film of the 2020s And the only one of the decade that will be released under its original 1935 name before being renamed 20th Century Studios. Interesting. Yeah. So so it's basically the last 20th Century Fox film. Basically, yes. Because after it was acquired, after uh, 20th Century Fox was acquired by Disney, the studio's name was changed to 20th Century Studios. Right. So this is the last film that will be released under the original name. Huh. Yeah. One other thing I thought was really great when I made a note to basically pay attention to this, because, again, I wrote most of my notes before we actually watched it. Mm -hmm. Marco Beltrami does the music. Mm. He he co-wrote it with another guy. But Marco Beltrami is mostly known for doing like horror and sci-fi scores. Okay. And so I made a point to kind of try and listen to the music. It's really good. The score is great. Yeah. For this. 
Um, I know I've talked about Marco Beltrami before. Yeah, um, ring, rings a bell. He's done stuff for, uh, he's done the scores for the Scream franchise films. Right, right. The Faculty, he did uh, Hellboy, the, not, not the new Hellboy, the one with Guillermo, that Guillermo del Toro did. Right, 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 right. Uh, he actually works with Guillermo del Toro in um, quite a bit because he's also he also did Blade Two. Okay, his stuff tends to be pretty cool. He's also done like Three Ten to Yuma and The Hurt Locker. So fantastic. Yeah. Uh, one other cool thing about this film. Now we haven't done a deep dive into. <laughs> this is the perfect movie for a deep dive. <laughs> that is fair. <laughs> We've never we have not as of yet, and we are we're not going to do it now. Okay. Uh, done a deep dive into H.P. Lovecraft and the Cthulhu mythos. Right. So every once in a while, you get a director or a writer or somebody that wants to kind of contribute to it mm-hmm. to an extent. Yeah. And that's essentially what this is. Yeah, it definitely looks like one of the old ones. Oh, my God. They specifically, in some of the plot summaries, they specifically say it's Cthulhu. Mm. I don't think that's true. I don't think it is. And since some of the summaries I've seen, they're not written by the people who made the film. They're It's, you know, third-party contributors. I thought you were going to say third-graders. No, I was going to say third-party contributors. Because anybody can go on to IMDb or Wikipedia and edit a plot summary. Shit, I've done it. Right. Now, I do it to add accuracy. <laughs> but I've done it. Right, right. So I just think it's kind of cool to look at these... Oh my god, the creatures in this fucking... Okay, so let's get into it. (laughs) Now it's time for Watch Thoughts. So shit pops off fucking fast in this movie. There's very little establishment of anything. Basically, you know they're in a deep sea research and drilling facility at the bottom of the Mariana Trench, which already I'm not a fan of. Yeah, seriously, don't start this movie and then walk off to the kitchen to get yourself a snack or something to drink. You need to be like strapped. You need to be ready to go from from minute one, and it pans in on Nora, Mm -hmm. who's basically just you know brushing her teeth. I think she's probably just getting ready. She's either getting ready for her shift or she's getting ready to for bed. Some I don't know. She's in the the showers. Right, and 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 she even talks about like when when you don't see the sun for days, weeks, months at a time. Time doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, which I mean. Time is relative to begin with. But. I, I was never a submariner, but I was at sea quite a bit. And yeah, especially if you don't leave the skin of the ship, people are like, hey, they're like, what day is it? I'm like, I don't know. I don't think it's Sunday because I haven't heard you start plant or recognizing the days of the week by certain things. Like if you hear there's chapel services, you're like, oh, I guess it is Sunday. Yeah. But like Nora starts to, she like hears rumblings. Mm-hmm. And she's not quite sure what it is. Right. And it starts to get more and more. And then she leaves the room that she's in. And there's stuff dripping. Which should not happen. <laughs> yeah. You you know, leaky roof problem. Leaky roof when you're way down there. Mm-hmm. When you're at the bottom of the ocean, basically. You should, should not be happening. And this no. wasn't a leak from a pipe. No. And then there's just a fucking explosion. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to, like, wake people up. Because this is a facility that houses, what did it say, like, 316 people? Yeah, some, some, something in that ballpark. And I'm trying to think, that, like, some people might have gotten out. Because they do have, like, escape pods. Right. And, and it's kind of ring-shaped. So 
So you've got sectors. So within the sector she's in, there's there's basically a structural breach. Right. And she and only one other person make it out of that particular section. Mm -hmm. And along the way, they pick up Paul. Right. And eventually they get they make their way to where the captain is. They make their way to the bridge. They decide they're going to essentially put on these highly pressurized suits and walk along the ocean floor to the other station a mile away. Oh, God, it's more. Isn't it farther than that? It's Uh, farther than that, I think. No, it's it's a mile. Is it only a mile? Yeah. What? Why does it feel like? Oh, God. Well, because it's a feature length film. I'm I'm just playing. You know what I mean. Yeah, uh, and and the thing is, these suits aren't des- necessarily designed to handle that level of or that duration of use because they've got. They're intended for like quick fix. Like if you need to go out and quickly fix something. Because basically, when when you're down that deep, or really any underwater operation, you may as well be in space. You got to follow the same rules, like you know, pressurization, and you got to watch out for nitrogen narcosis and you've you're like mm-hmm. uh, at, like if you have to surface quickly but there's no quickly surfacing from the mariana's trench that's that's gonna take longer than skydiving yeah down you know ups and downs you know what i mean yeah this the suits do kind of make them look like gears of war characters though, they do yeah cool. yeah that's what i was thinking i was like this looks very like gears of war or like master chief yeah yeah a little, a little bit. bit and they look realistic though I wouldn't, well, yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe they are. I don't know. I don't know. I will say this movie is so stressful and so claustrophobic. Because the thing is, when you're, when you think about something, and I'm trying so hard to fight being stressed out right now. (laughs) When you think about something, I think one of my coworkers the other day, we were talking about this, the vastness of space, Mm -hmm. like, and the vastness of something like the deep ocean. Right. It has the same kind of feeling where it's very, very big, but it's also extremely isolating. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the other things is a lot of the camera shots, that a lot of the angling that he used makes you feel very tense and very claustrophobic. And also very tiny. Yes. Like in like if you if you think of a shot where someone is standing on the ocean floor mm-hmm. and they're trying to look around to see if they can see any of their other party members you know you're an itty bitty thing in a great big fishbowl mm-hmm. oh gosh it stresses me out yeah i mean there, there's a nuclear meltdown in the movie and that's not even like the stressor that's just an inciting incident no no it's the it's the reason they can't stay where the breach is that's oh it oh my god when they start when they actually get outside okay back up i'm gonna back up for a second and I'm by outside she means outside of the outside of the vessel yeah so they basically get they take this elevator down they lose a guy mm-hmm. because he his helmet his, is cracked yeah so he basically fucking implodes because of the pressure yep which holy shit yeah and uh, so they get to this other basically at the bottom of the elevator they get to this vessel thing that they're going to take down even further mm-hmm to the actual ocean floor. Right. And while they're on there, they realize that there's one of the pods that might have been damaged and it seems to be sending a distress signal. Mm-hmm. So they go to check it out and Paul and Smith go out there and, oh my God, <laughs> they're, 
they find a dead body and then something just bursts out of this dude's fucking back. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I screamed. You did? At that bit. That there was a bit of a yelp. And then they bring it inside and Emily, who's like a, a research bi- assistant, a research assistant yeah. she's a biologist, is like poking at it with a pencil, but she's not wearing any gloves. But she won't stop touching this thing. And she even like at one point is like picking up a tentacle and like poking at the poking at the talons underneath the tentacle with like a finger. And I'm like, you don't know where that's been. It, other than inside a person, you know literally nothing about this thing. Stop touching it. Yeah, especially for a biologist to say, I don't know what this is. Then mm-hmm. you're like, okay, then. Okay, then don't touch it. And then all the lights go out and I'm like, I swear to fucking God, if that thing disappears and starts attacking people, I will lose my shit. I. She did. It, luckily, it didn't. I mean, it didn't start attacking people. Yeah. But like, then they immediately have to like abandon ship from this thing, whatever. And suddenly they're on the floor, the ocean floor. And they're just walking along the ocean floor. And then you start to see in the in the light, you you kind of think you can see something, but mm-hmm. you're not quite sure. And then you can see something a little bit better. And you say, again, absolutely fucking not. <laughs> Out loud in your apartment while eating Chinese food. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I I got so stressed out because it kept kind of showing these things, but not really. It was very paranormal activity, I think. Okay. In, yeah. in its approach to the creatures at the beginning. A, a, a lot more let you let your brain make the creature, and then we'll show you some movement. Because you start out thinking you're like, wait a second, are those eyes? Do I see eyes, or is it just like floaty particle bits in the ocean? Yeah, because, I mean... Part of the station they left has collapsed, so, I mean, there's shit floating around. Is it debris? Is it sand that got kicked up from something landing? What is this? And then a little bit later, because they can only see as far as the, their, the lights on their suits will go. Right. So you're sweeping over from a little bit of light through pitch black darkness, and all of a sudden something realizes, oh shit, I can be seen, and pops out a camera, and then all of a sudden it's right in somebody's face. Oh, my God. I do love there was a line Emily said Mm -hmm. that perfectly capsulizes the way I feel about places like the Mariana Trench. Oh. She says, we're not supposed to be down here. No one is. And I'm like, yes. Yes, Emily, you are correct. Because I firmly believe and listen Science, exploration, learning about our world, that is great. But I firmly believe that there are some places on planet Earth that mankind was not meant to go. Not every place on Earth is for us. Some shit, we just need to leave it the fuck alone. And I think the deep ocean and the Mariana Trench in particular, one of those places Maybe not a place that we should be cracking open with drilling. No, definitely not a place that we should be cracking open with drilling. And I hate to use movies as as an example for why I'm right on this, but look at Pacific Rim. I was going to say Pacific Rim. Thank you. 
or even even the Meg, I think, also kind of looked at that where they were like, yeah, exactly. You know, this should be the floor, and they're like, wait, where's the floor? Where's but, the floor? But, and they realize that there's actually like a thermal layer, which <laughs> isn't a thing, but whatever. But yeah, I but yeah, I so I think um, it just stresses me out. I feel like nothing good can come of us going to certain places and doing certain things, and we should just not do those things. Does that make sense? I understand your point. You understand my point. You don't agree. I would love to get into one of those suits at the bottom of the Mariana Trench and walk around. Absolutely not. You could not pay me. There is not enough money in the world. I I just think, one, it'd be awesome to wear those suits. Two, one of the best lines for me in the movie, lose the pants, they won't fit. Yeah. Honestly, no. So then picturing everybody in the movie walking around in the in these suits but underneath they're in t-shirt and underwear or bra and underwear right and and it's like so like where would you put like like your pocket litter the stuff the stuff that you would have in your pocket like where would you there's no place on the suit for a pen what if you needed to sign something when you got to the no honestly i'm just so confused on micro logistics when they started talking about how they were going to have to walk along walk outside of the space state of the not space station fuck May as well be. Yeah, may as well be. Outside of the station on the ocean floor, I out loud, I said, absolutely not. You can fucking shoot me now. There's no way I would do that. I would, I would, I get Lucian's whole thing of it's risky, but, you know, because basically he's like, we have to do this because otherwise we will definitely die. Mm hmm. So we can do this and have hope, or we can stay here and definitely die. I was like, all right, I'll fucking stay here then. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I, I understand his, his reasoning, because, you know, there's a lot of times where, maybe not to the extreme of death, but, you know, maybe there's something frightening coming up that you're going to have to face that you're not comfortable with. But it's either stay here, and this will inevitably happen. Mm-hmm. Or take that leap and yeah that inevitable thing may still happen but there's a chance that you'll be able to pull through yeah so i don't know am i just now thinking in metaphors is that all i'm seeing now i don't know is pizza just a metaphor for happiness i'm not sure you kind of talk in metaphors a lot though that's true one other thing i will say about this film is i love the relationship between nora and emily Mm mm-hmm because it very easily, and on a lot of films, when you have two female characters, inevitably, like, they butt heads. Yeah. That never happens here. No. And and Nora's an engineer. Nora's an engineer. Emily is a research assistant, specifically a biologist. So, so really, they, they both have different skill sets. Yeah. And they complement each other well. Well, and it's not, it's, I firmly expected Emily to take that um eventually getting hysterical mm-hmm. and someone being like being aggressive with her right. which happens in a lot of other movies like this you've got a you've got a female character who starts to kind of panic panic devolve right and it's usually another female character that like t- tells her to shut up or smacks her or something mm-hmm. but the only time during this film that Nora shows anything other than encouragement and shows any kind of aggression towards Emily at all is when she punches her in the face to get her to get in the escape pod. Which 
yeah, it's aggressive, but I'm, she's aggressively helping her. Yeah. Aggressively saving her life, so. Right. And, and I mean, there, there isn't even backlash from it. She's just like, all right. <laughs> yeah, she's just, she's so over, like, focused on the pain that she d- it can't just, doesn't fight her on it anymore. This movie kind of reminded me, like, if you combined The Descent and Alien. Mm-hmm. As far as, like, the way it feels. Yeah, I, I get that. The, the claustrophobia, the being stuck. And being stalked. Being stalked by uh, humanoid creatures. I mean, very loosely humanoid. Very loosely humanoid. The final monster is terrifying. Holy shit. Yeah, there's there's this point where there's kind of a reveal. And this part I don't want to spoil for anybody, but there's a real reveal where you're like, oh, oh shit. Yeah. Um, It's very, it's very Cloverfields, I think. Uh, for those of you who loved Cloverfield, yes, it's very Cloverfield. For those of well, you who didn't, it's nothing like Cloverfield. Let me rephrase. Allow me a ch- allow me to rephrase. So imagine if you've watched all of Cloverfield, mm-hmm. just seeing the small insect creatures. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. then suddenly at the end, you see those were nothing compared to the big bad. Those were fleas. Exactly. Another thing about Descent and Al- plus Alien that this different Nora reminded me a lot of Ripley. Yeah, she had very Ellen Ripley vibes. I feel very, very much so. Very matter of fact. Very no straight. nonsense. I, this is what I need to get done. She was also very much a um, a pragmatist, mm-hmm. and did not feel bad about being like, okay, I know this is the plan. Can we at least acknowledge that this is fucked up and we could all die? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, we can definitely acknowledge that, yeah. which I appreciated. And I also really appreciate that, you know, again, having been a sailor, mm-hmm. there was a very, like, I connected to it a little bit where I, ha- I had minor quibbles at first where, like, they're like, all right, through this door, I'm like, that's a hatch. And you could say, oh, well, they're not in the Navy. Well, it's clearly a hatch. They would need to dog down to, to seal it out to make it watertight. There's, I think, two different times I was like, Man, you all need to dog zebra that that shit. You can't just leave that. You're too deep to be dealing with having to get you know watertight integrity. Mm-hmm. And then I started rambling off lingo that no one needs to to really linger on. But other than some terminology, I mean, my I think the first one was like, oh, this must be sewage. I'm like, more than likely you have a CHT tank or some sort of processing system. So why not just call it CHT? But again. No one outside the Navy knows what the hell that is, so well, it doesn't also, really fucking matter. Also, this is a crew of 316 people. Who knows what the fuck that guy's job is? Maybe he's just a cook. Yeah, that's that's true. Not the Steven Seagal kind, but, but no. like, definitely not. Right. But all things said, I really, really thought it was... It, for me, felt like, ooh, this is an action movie that turns horror... For you, just the setting, you're like, well, this is horror. <laughs> um, I had a blanket that I was not using as a blanket. I had rolled it up and was, like, hugging it mm-hmm. and, like, had part of it over my mouth. I don't remember what they were doing, but at one point I just had the blanket across my mouth and was just going, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, please don't do this. Please, I hate this. Don't do this. But but I would even say the interactions between all the, the crew that we get to meet they feel like a crew that have worked together or at least are familiar enough with each other to give each other a little bit of shit without it seeing contrived, mm-hmm. to, but also to 
be told, like, if your captain says, hey, I need you to go do this, you get up and you go and you do it. Right. And you look like you know what you're doing. So, I mean, that was really well put together. Yeah. Like, it felt like a crew that knew what they were doing. I felt like I... I don't know. It it felt a lot more authentic than I see in technical situations like that. Right. Yeah. I will say, if they ever do a Bioshock movie, Mm. I want this guy to direct it. Yeah. I want the exact crew that worked on this movie to work on a Bioshock movie because it would be fucking amazing. Are you kidding me? Hell yeah, it would. Oh my God. Well, because a lot of the the stunts and stuff, they actually did. Mm -hmm. Like they were really in those suits that were very heavy. The, the platform jump that they had to do at one point, they actually did that. Like, it's, they tried to get as authentic as they could when they were filming it. And it, I don't think they were filming actually in the mirror. They were not, no. But like, other stuff. I didn't, because I didn't want to spoil the movie for myself, I didn't do a lot of research into it. Deep dive. Uh, okay, I, I promise that's the last time I'm going to say deep dive about this movie. It's my own fault. And I keep setting you up for it. I know. But just like the way, particularly when they're when Nora and Rodrigo mm-hmm. are like walking through like the ruined hallways and stuff, I'm like, man, this would be so cool for a Bioshock movie. Yeah, a little splicer popping out somewhere. Splicers or... and like every once in a while, just giving people a jolt with some atom yeah oh man it would it would be so cool now i really want it and i'm so sad because i know it'll probably never happen but that would be great this i feel like this guy could also do if i know we're getting a dead space movie mm-hmm. but i don't think this is the guy that's making it and i think he could also do a really good job at that fair so william eubank if you are listening can you make can you make an a Bioshock movie called Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. You guys work together, figure out how to, how to get that done. Please. Yeah. Please. <laughs> That's all I ask. Please. We'll gladly talk about it on here. And it, you know, if anything else cool comes of it, you know. Exactly. I mean, I'll, I'll see if I can take a few days off. Yeah. <laughs> here so. I am inviting myself <laughs> to now, now be in a Bioshock movie that doesn't exist. That's fair. So I think that's going to do it for us for this week. Yeah. As far as these movies we missed, we'll probably do a couple more of these. Mm-hmm. Kind of scattered about. Yeah, just kind of scatter them about whenever, in particular, like when there's a period like that you're probably going to be busy at work or that I might be, I'm not going to be busy at my job. Let's just be perfectly honest about that. My, I don't have busy weeks. There's like busy small time periods during a day. Right. But like if, there's a time period where we maybe need to kind of take a little bit of a rest or do want to do something a little more chill. We'll pop one of these in the, in there. So we've got at least eight more movies, I think that we can do. Yeah. At least we honestly might go ahead and watch them anyway and just go ahead and take notes and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think just to wrap both of these up is my final take on it is the endings. I'm not spoiling either of them for you, but I am going to say this, his house did not, and the way I expected. Yeah, Underwater did not end the way I was expecting either. I was actually, I was happy to be wrong. Absolutely, in both cases. I was like, huh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm okay with this. And 
that doesn't happen for me very often because well i'll be honest i usually root for you know the the villain most of the time if the villain's likable Mm -hmm. unless it's you know some sort of awful villain then i'm just waiting for the credits to roll because it's already wasted my time but (laughs) yeah but like all of the people in, in both of these movies i i've I felt connections too, and I loved that there were they, it. Uh, Underwater in particular didn't lean heavily into any of the kind of tropes that it very easily could have, because mm-hmm. I one hundred percent waited for there to be a moment when somebody, I expected it to be Paul, would do a Hudson mm-hmm. from Alien Two and just be like, "Game over, man, game over," and just kind of loses shit. Everybody even when they didn't want to do the thing that they were doing was like, okay, this is what we need to do. I guess we're doing it. Also, neither movie had a massive exposition dump. It mm-hmm. basically said, this is what's happening. Keep up. Yeah. We're not going to explain what each of these things. Now, granted, like Emily was, was a great way to kind of say, okay, this is kind of a weird technical thing. We're going to talk Emily through it. Yeah. Looking at you audience. We're talking Emily through it. Yeah. Wink, wink. Yeah. And, and you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. That's why they're walking around in their underwear. Now it makes sense. I thought there were, I didn't realize there was an orgy scene in this movie. There isn't. <laughs> I would honestly highly recommend both of these films. Yeah. And I've heard, from what I recall, his house was on, like, everybody's top five or top ten horror of 2020 lists. Yeah. And Underwater wasn't, unfortunately. I would put it in my top five so there you go it goes host in no particular order host his house underwater i don't know what else is going to get added to that list now again this isn't a competition so it's not like check back on our next episode and see if they make it into the top five or will it turn into a top 14 you know Ooh, that gives me an idea for october oh horror brackets oh crackets no, that doesn't work. Hackets. No, Hack- that doesn't work either. We'll workshop yeah. that one. <laughs> We've got a while. Be- because because be- because I almost, my next one was going to be Hortober, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, that's not. That means something else, I'm sure. Um, yeah, horror and October. Any- anyway, <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at H2HorrorCast. You can also email us at H2HorrorCast at gmail.com. We have a Patreon, still. Yes, yes we do. uh, Lowest is uh, $5 a month. And uh, if you want to support us in a financial way, you can do so at patreon.com slash h2horrorcast. Uh, We thank our current patrons, Lizzie, a.k.a. Carnage Candy on YouTube, Mm -hmm. and Teresa, a.k.a. Mom. Yes, thank you both. Yep. And we also have a Facebook page. You can follow us on Facebook. Absolutely. Yay! This was fun. This was fun. My energy's all gone now. But this, but this way, you know, I think my favorite thing about you know doing this that we're gonna kind of sprinkle in sporadically. Mm-hmm. One, it's a change of pace because while consistency is great, and you know you're with us, you know we we release once a week. But sometimes it's nice to not sit there and look at a daunting list of twenty six movies or eleven movies or even five movies that we've got to get through to kind of get an idea of something. And this allowed us to go a little bit deeper into. Two movies that were, I mean, I don't feel like any of my time was wasted. Nothing no. felt like it dragged on too long. Nope. They're phenomenal. Yeah. So. All right. I'm happy. Yeah, me too. Now we can, let's go have dinner and watch more John Oliver. Okay. I'm Does cool that sound with that. Good? Yeah. <laughs>
So until next time, I'm Tia. And I'm still David. And thank you for listening. Bye. Music for this episode was Out of Time by Shane Ivers of Silverman Sound. Our artwork was created by Catherine Nixon.